back to the Connected Aviation Intelligence Podcast. I'm your host, Woodrow Bellamy III, and on this episode, we'll be talking to the Independent Aircraft Modifier Alliance. But first, a quick reminder to listeners that we are bringing back our Connected Aviation Intelligence Summit live in person June 1st through the 3rd at the Hyatt Regency Reston in the Washington, D.C. area. We just confirmed the Chief Marketing Officer of Sun Country Airlines as a keynote speaker. Log on to gcasummit.com slash agenda for more information. I recently had the chance to catch up with Nina Schultz, who is the new Managing Director of the Independent Aircraft Modifier Alliance, or IAMA, as well as Anna Louise Van Dyke, I apologize if I mispronounced her name, to learn more about some of the latest updates around what the Independent Aircraft Modifier Alliance has been working on. If you're unaware, the Independent Aircraft Modifier Alliance was first launched in the at the 2019 Aircraft Interiors Expo with the goal of introducing standards that can ensure the documentation and quality of supplemental type certificates provided independently, thus improving the perception by airlines and leasing companies of the quality of work provided by independent maintenance and aircraft modification providers. In this episode, we learn more about the Alliance's progress with that initiative, as well as some of the challenges associated with selling, installing, and operating in-flight connectivity on aircraft from two people who are experts in these processes. So let's get into our discussion with the Independent Aircraft Modifiers Alliance. Okay. So Nina and Anna Louise, uh, first, for those in our audience who are unaware, can you both just give us an introduction to your name, job title, and background, uh, You know, a little bit of how you got into the in- aviation industry and some of the main roles that you've served throughout your career, starting with Nina, uh, followed by Anna Louise. Yeah, thanks a lot. So um, yeah, my name is Nina Schulz. Currently, I was appointed as Managing Director for IAMA. Um, in fact, I have a commercial background, so I'm not an engineering person, but I have a strong heart for engineering topics and uh, also for aviation. I joined the company, and the company means Lufthansa Technique. I joined them uh, in 2003, just uh, yeah, very shortly after 9-11, so uh, some experience with crisis at that time as well. And as I said, it, it's been a wish for me uh, since a young age. My dad used to work in aviation as well, so it was it has been always a wish. Um, in, in those days, I started in the procurement department for our VIP aircraft. So it was for completion and retrofit of VIP aircraft. And um, after that procurement time, um, I took over the responsibility for logistics and supply chain for our very first connectivity program, which at that time was with Connection by Boeing. That was for Lufthansa and some other third-party customers. And basically, that program and its successors, uh, and that went from Connection by Boeing through Panasonic KU, through Inmarsat KA, and latest um, European Aviation Network, uh, basically, that kept me busy um, until the, the very last days in 2021. Um, in the interim, when we had a bit of a stoppage, um, I took care of other projects and later on became head of product sales for base maintenance in uh, Europe, Middle East, Africa. Interesting. Okay. Very interesting career. Yeah. You mentioned Boeing connection there. It's a, a you know, um, connectivity topics we cover a lot on the podcast. So it's great to have you on it. And Anna Louise yourself. 
Yes, I'm Anne-Louise van Dijk, the Alliance Manager of uh, IAMA. I have a business administration background with a master degree in innovation management. And I started my career in innovation about five years ago um, with Airbus, um, then following uh, with Etihad Engineering in innovation. And uh, as you know, Etihad Engineering is one of our founding members uh, of IAMA. So through Etihad Engineering, I got involved with, uh, with IAMA in the very early uh, stages um yeah i i would say i entered the aviation world um when accepting my first job i was re really never focused on aviation or any industry in particular but i remember my first interview with uh with airbus and i had to go on the airbus premises and yeah i felt this spirit and this huge aircrafts uh standing around and um i think that was the where the passion for aviation um first started on my side. Interesting. Yeah, a lot of people start off in aviation that way and never really leave it. It's a very interesting industry. So Nina, you know, this uh, the Independent Aircraft Modifiers Alliance is something that we've covered in our publication and podcast from its inception and, you know, sort of tracking its goal. What have been some of your day-to-day -day activities since taking over as the managing director of IAMA, and do you also keep your role with Lufthansa Technique while working with IAMA? Yeah, thanks for that question. So basically, that's that's really important to stress that um, while I'm still with Lufthansa Technique on a formal side of things, um, I really work uh, full time now for IAMA, and I also uh, completely embrace the spirit and the setup of IAMA, meaning completely being independent. So uh, we're there as an asso association to uh, take care of all of our members. Um, so Lufthansa Technique being part of it, but being one part of it. Um, so the starting phase really meant to get to know the team. So we have a team consisting out of uh, the IAMA core team, I would call it, with our alliance manager, the technical alliance manager, commercial alliance manager, and then, of course, also the members. Um, on top, we have an executive board. So it's, it's really getting to know the people, getting to know the stakeholders, understanding their requirements, and also getting to understand the rules and requirements of an association, which is really completely different than working in a large organization. So a lot of different tasks to take care of, a lot of different processes, which is super interesting. So in uh, normal business weeks, we have regular calls with the team and with the working groups that we established to align on progress, to work on contents, and yeah, to, to tackle the topics we jointly put on our roadmap. Um, super exciting was uh, the very first trip now to, I would say, the outside world. And I would even recall it a return to the world. So um, Anne-Louise and myself, we were able to visit the MRO Middle East in Dubai just two weeks ago. And it was so nice to get in touch with the members, with potential new members and have a chat um, related all to the super current um, topics that we have. Interesting. And, you know, maybe as a follow-up to that, Anna-Louise, you know, you've been with the organization since its inception, I believe. Now, what, you know, in your role with the organization throughout this, you know, this kind of uh, interesting last two years that we've had with COVID, uh, which seems to, you know, be coming to to sort of toward, towards the end of that period, what, what has it been like in your role with IAMA and just um, trying to advance the overall goal of the organization? Yes, yeah, so indeed, I am uh, with IAMA since the very uh, early, early stages and then uh, COVID uh, hit us. But uh, nevertheless, we, we see that we are slowly getting out of that. 
um, my job is uh, mainly supporting the managing director uh, in the day-to-day business. So, um, yeah, at the moment, trying to inform Nina on everything that's going on within Ayama and all the nitty-gritty. Uh, but I also mainly take care of the marketing and communication uh, communication part of Ayama and support uh, the different working groups um, in their business and uh, developing um, yeah, content for those uh, working groups. And I'm also the main point of contact for, for our members and, and subscribers. If they have any questions, they, they direct themselves to me. Okay. And Nina, back over to you now. You know, what are some of the conversations you've been having with the, you know, the technicians who are inside of some of the hangars and facilities right now that are, you know, IAMA member companies that are providing aircraft maintenance services out there? What are some of their biggest needs and, and challenges? You know, just the some of the workers that are that are really, you know, out there, uh, you know, interacting with the aircraft, modifying it, servicing it. Yeah, for sure, the the whole industry is still facing, I would say, the aftermath of the crisis, uh, hoping that it's really the aftermath. Um, so we, we overall, we see reduced staff all over the place. Um, we see quite a struggle uh, around talents, which is interesting because, yeah, there were a lot of redundancies and uh, HR measures that took place. So that's, that's one thing that affects completely the industry. Um, still related to economical challenges for all stakeholders. And of course, that uh, affects the entire supply chain. And uh, now we're just uh, reaching the next level of crisis, which then, of course, adds on top to the existing challenges that we have. I would say prior to to that unfortunate and, and very uh, this uh, very un- yeah, a very unfortunate um, hit by, by the last crisis, um, I felt that the, the mood really turned into the positive again. So we we heard conversations where people starting to speak about uh, new modification campaigns, about full hangers, because there's a strong demand for, for maintenance after these partially long paused um, aircraft. So they have to re- be to, they have to be returned to service. Um, so really business has been picking up and that was a real good mood uh, within the industry, which we now need to evaluate um, the further impact of the next crisis. Interesting. And I think it's a good time for the listeners to remind who are all the different IAMA members? Who are the independent? I I think I know you mentioned Lufthansa Technique, Etihad Engineering, and who are all the the total list of member companies that you have now? Well, luckily, we have quite a number of of members and subscribers already. So I think it would be too long if I mention all of them. Um, But yeah, we we have really some very notable um, members of this part of the business, I would call it. You mentioned Lufthansa Technique, um, Etihad Engineering. We have Fokker Services. We have Carlisle Interconnect. We have um, Frequencia, for example. We have a number of companies from uh, from the US, like Envoy Aerospace. We have a couple of companies from, from Europe, subscribers from lessers to airlines. So um, we what we want to do is really uh, represent the entire spread throughout um, this field of aviation. So it's a very diverse mix of companies. And uh, you mentioned just uh, as a follow up, you mentioned the uh, sort of, you know, hiring challenges and labor shortage. Uh, just want to ask a follow up question about that. Is that a result of the, you know, you had this time period where there were a lot of aircraft grounded 
and not being utilized as much. Now you are into a period where airlines are using aircraft more, the utilization rates are going up. So obviously that leads to more demand for maintenance. Has that led to a situation where there's some MRO companies that just need to hire more workers to fulfill some of the demand that they lost in the pandemic? I would say yes. So uh, what we see now is really the effect of all these redundancies that we saw during that crisis when the aircraft were indeed on ground. And apparently a couple of people, although they love aviation, also orientated into different kinds of uh, other industries. Um, so we know that other industries are also super attractive and are looking for that kind of skilled personnel that the aviation industry has to offer. So now it's time for the industry again to bring up um, interesting offers to the table to, to attract again either the old people that uh, left the industry or also being still attractive for young people who make their choice now for whatever they want to do in their professional life. Interesting. And I'm looking at this announcement from uh, the IAMA website about the Eclipse Techniques uh, company becoming the first member company to pass the audit. Uh, can you tell us what's involved in such an audit for an MRO company and what is the overall significance of the completion of this audit for the organization? Yeah, maybe Anne Louise can tell us a bit about the beginning of uh, where did the whole story with the audit start? Yes, of course. So, uh, yeah, first, um, the, the first audits have been passed by uh, Eclipse Techniques as well as uh, Fokker Services. And um, that's indeed a very big milestone uh, for IEMA. So to understand the, the, the reason and the significance of the audits, we need to maybe take one step back focusing on the IEMA rulebook. So the rulebook is there to guide our members towards a higher quality modification. And it demonstrates a set of rules um, that are answering industry hurdles. And those hurdles are, um, are, are raised by airlines and, and lessors. And um, our members create uh, rules together um, based upon those input from airlines and lessors and um, our members commit to those rules that they implement. So to ensure they commit to those rules and um, yeah, that IAMA can endorse them as being IAMA endorsed modifiers, uh, they, they need to get audited and we have them um, audited by, by a, a new, neutral and uh, highly qualified uh, aviation experienced auditor company um, called Quali Audit, and uh, they are running the, the audits of our members at the moment. And um, yeah, many more audits to, to come in the next uh, few months. And where is Eclipse Techniques based out of? Are they based in Europe? Exactly. Yes, they're, they're based in France. Sorry. <laughs> In France. Okay, great. And, and so uh, now that you have passed this audit and, you know, the organization um, has been uh, in existence for several years now, do you feel like as the organization is advancing that goal of making independently supplied aircraft maintenance services more competitive? Well, absolutely. Um, the question is how you, you measure competitiveness. Um, so for us, it is really important that we establish this IAMA standard. So the IAMA standard, and that goes way beyond what the authorities um, propose as, of course, being a legal standard to modifications. 
what we do is we listen to the operators, to the owners of aircraft, and we translate their requirements into what Anne-Louise described into our rule book. So it makes it clear that once we follow that standard and we have these um, IAMA-endorsed STCs, the owners and operators can fully rely on the services being committed. And, and that's what we think is making this super attractive and a good alternative to other solutions that are there to retrofit aircraft. It's important to have that independent approach in order to yeah, to level playing field, let's put it openly to the table with the OEMs and to provide equal solutions. I see. And so one of the topics that we cover really extensively on, on, on our podcast is in-flight connectivity, as you know, and you, you mentioned some of those different services. It was really interesting how you described sort of the evolution of connectivity going all the way back from uh, Boeing connection to, you know, now, you know, airlines looking at uh, Ku band and, and Ka band satellite connectivity. Uh, but it's one of the biggest topics that we cover on our podcast. And, you know, over your career with Lufthansa Technique and the different roles that you've held there. Uh, can you just tell us, you know, what's been your biggest overall observation of how that technology has become almost like a standard requirement for, you know, the, the major airlines to have on their aircraft? And, uh, you know, has that led to more connectivity related upgrades and demand for connectivity upgrades for MRO providers? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I remember in, in the first place when, when CBB connection by Boeing started, I still think it was maybe too early. So the market was not ready yet. It wasn't mature yet. So the solutions were, I would say, rather heavy. It was heavy equipment, a high number of units to be installed. It was the first time ever to build um, all this ecosystem around um, that installation piece. So it was the first time to build an adapter plate and to mount it to the fuselage. We had long downtimes. It was substantial engineering. Um, in principle, I would say this kind of project management around that is still the same. But what we see is that we have um, a greater area of, um, of competition. We have more companies offering the services, more service providers. We have different technologies. Uh, from the former times um, to now low orbit, uh, low Earth orbit satellites to at ground networks that you mentioned. So we have a variety of systems to be offered by a variety of providers. At the same time, um, the complexity of stakeholders grew. So we have more people being involved um, either on on the supplier side, but also on the um, on the passenger um, experience side for the airlines. So it's not the technical departments deciding for connectivity solutions. It's mainly the passenger experience, it's the finance, it's the product management side. So a lot of people having a saying in that, um, also judging how to monetize these systems, um, because it's clear for passenger, it became a must. And uh, I like the quote that people prefer connectivity over food in an airplane, because they can cater for themselves, but they can't cater for connectivity. Um, so in general, these projects are still highly complex and, and still a challenge also for, for the maintenance providers. But I would say um, equipment became lighter, engineering became more mature. We have serialized uh, solutions on the table, resulting into shorter downtimes. So it's, it's easier to install connectivity these days. And for me, it's still, it's a must. It's, that's very interesting. I just have to ask a follow-up question to that. Do you think that getting these more, you know, stakeholders involved, both on the supplier and buyer side, the, the airline side, has that changed the overall 
business model in terms of how you're able to sell, certify, modify, install, and then operate the actual connectivity service? You know, has, has that just adding more stakeholders on both sides, like you said, has that changed the sort of business model for connectivity on aircraft? I think that is still in change um, because it still highly depends on yeah who, who is making which business out of that pipeline, which is basically connectivity. It's a pipeline to the airplane. So who is taking which benefit out of that? Is it the airline using the pipeline for its operational services or is it also the passenger services? Um, are you charging fees for the use of connectivity or are you using uh, business models that, for example, use advertisements um, and, and further highly developed supply chains out of that. So that really depends. And that then leads into a completely new setup of stakeholders in cre creating and preparing such business models, including the design certification and MRO part. Okay. And so, you know, now that you're in this position with IAMA, um, I know that, that uh, one of the interesting things that the organization has done, especially throughout the pandemic, was a series of different uh, web webinars and sort of virtual networking sessions where there was just a lot of different information sharing and discussions of how to overcome some of the challenges brought on by some of the COVID policy restrictions and different regulations that were introduced over the last year. Now that we're at, you know, st still at the beginning of 2022, what are some of the main goals, Nina, that you want to see the organization achieve for the remainder of the year? Um, you know, in Anna Louise, if you could add some thoughts to that as well. Yes, of course. Shall I start? <laughs> there are many sure. goals for 2022. Um, so yeah, we want to, of course, uh, complete the audit program with uh, with all our members. So for the moment, we have Fokker Services and Eclipse Techniques that pass the audit, but uh, there are some more to come. And um, yeah, we, we we really hope everybody passes the audit uh, until end of this year. Um, further, of course, we want to promote the, the STC standard um, and by a hopefully a large number of IAMA endorsed STCs. Once they pass the audit, um, the members can, can also self-endorse um, STCs. And uh, we can already see on our platform a few STCs that are IAMA endorsed, actually, um, in relation to uh, connectivity as well. Um, and we have to continue our educational uh, mission so we have a lot of topics on, on the roadmap to be tackled for, for 2022, including um, having a deep dive into the RFP phase, uh, into the right to use um, data sharing between supplier OEM and integrator and many more educational topics. And Dina? Yeah, on top of that, uh, what we're doing is we are in regular and very close contact with the main aviation authorities, so foremost EASA FAA, but that's not where we stop. And, and our game, uh, our goal, sorry, with them is to jointly discuss recent topics that either they bring in or we and our members bring in. So that's a very interesting exchange, um, including how to smooth the validation um, between these two organizations. Um, and our, our task in that is we bring the industry expertise to the table. And that's where we see ourselves and where we want to grow. Um, on the other hand, also speaking about growing, we as an alliance want to grow. We are open for new members um, and basically we're open for all stakeholders um, of this retrofit ecosystem that we earlier on also mentioned. Uh, we have different types of memberships and uh, 
yeah, happy to, to entertain more of them, to get more insights, get more intelligence and to broaden our base. And um, yeah, speaking about challenges, we, of course, completely understand and appreciate the challenges for our members. And we are super grateful that they all stayed with us and uh, are committed to what we're doing and the goals that we um, committed to. And we are all in full alignment that the, the need and the task to increase the STC standard is, is still on the table and is important for all stakeholders. And that's why we are grateful for the continued commitment and contributions. And does, does the organization have any events or virtual networking seminars or any webinars or anything coming up? Yeah, good that you mention it. Uh, our next IVTT, which will focus on the challenges of the after-sales phase, will just happen next Wednesday on March 16, uh, 1500 Hamburg time. So we are continuing that road of the IVTTs, we call them, IAMA Virtual Think Tanks. Um, so that's a format that you mentioned already, uh, which was established during the crisis. But we feel that this um, medium is, is a good one to educate and former foster discussions. That brings us to the end of another episode of the Connected Aviation Intelligence Podcast. You can subscribe to our podcast on the Apple iOS podcast app or any smartphone or tablet podcasting application. Feel free to rank and comment on our podcast as well to let us know how we can improve. It also helps others find the podcast. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Connected Aviation Intelligence Podcast.